This episode is brought to you in part by Candorel. Coming soon, a luxury master-planned condominium community rising at the corner of Bathurst and St. Clair. Situated directly on the subway and streetcar line, a monument of architecture and interior design, a timeless expression of glamour and grace. Forêt Forest Hill. Register today at live at forêt.ca. That's live at f-o-r-e-t dot c-a. Theater began construction in 1936 when Burlamag was a bustling mining camp of 2,500 residents. The That's Cheryl Kaplan Hughes reading the words of inscription on the plaque which her family just had installed inside the historic Capitol Movie Theater in Val d'Or, Quebec. The Toronto woman and her siblings grew up living above the 85-year-old theater. They all worked there, too, because their late father, Abe Kaplan, was one of the pioneering Jewish families in Val d'Or who built the Capitol, plus two other theaters, before the Second World War. The Kaplans operated the chain for nearly 50 years until he retired in 86 and sold it to French Canadians who still run it to this day. Last Friday, the Kaplans flew up to Valdor to take part in a ceremony honoring the multicultural families, including the Jewish ones who built the Gold Rush town. The shul survived maybe year two. That's how quick it was in and it was out. It never was a community like Sudbury or Timmins where they had you know, a good foundation. We were much smaller. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, June the 15th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. The Capitol Theatre in Val d'Or opened in 1937 and boasted over 600 seats, an orchestra pit, and a snack bar. Its founder, Abe Kaplan, or Cappy as he was best known, came from a family of Lithuanian immigrants who set up in nearby Kirkland Lake, Ontario, just across the border, where his father and uncle started a business supplying picks and shovels and groceries to the prospectors hoping to strike it rich during the area's gold rush. They soon branched out into the movie theater business, and young Abe was given his own territory in Valdor. So Abe and his wife Belle raised two daughters and a son in the apartment right above the theater, and despite being one of a handful of Jewish families in the mining town, they managed to lead an observant Jewish life. Coming up, the Kaplan kids will be here to chat about why they wanted to make sure their family's contribution to Valdor's history is not forgotten. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I am Sharon Magor at Rina. And this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Canada has added its name to the list of 22 countries who've publicly condemned a new United Nations report that vilifies Israel. The report came from the so-called Pillay Commission of the UN Human Rights Council. It was set up last year after the war between Israel and Hamas to look into alleged human rights abuses by Israel. Israel did not cooperate with the commission, and critics, including UN Watch, say the chief investigator is biased because she's a well-known anti-Israel advocate. Her report came out Monday. The Human Rights Council has 47 members. Canada isn't one of them, but here's some who are. Russia, China, Libya, Sudan, Pakistan, and Venezuela. And joining us now are Cheryl Kaplan-Hughes and her sister Judy Weinberg from Toronto, And from London, Ontario, Stephen Kaplan joins. 
Congratulations. What an exciting time for your family. We need to uh, take a little step back, though, and give us a little bit, and anyone can jump in, give us a little bit of the reason for how this whole plaque project came about. Uh, Let me start on that, if I can, Ellen. Uh, Back in 2005, uh, the three of us went up for only the second of two Jewish weddings in Valdor. And um, while we were there, or on the way back, we started to think, wouldn't it be nice to have some dedication, something that uh, the theater would always be able to recognize our parents? And so, you know, 17 years later, here we are. But what, uh, what the real trigger was, um, four years ago, a group of Valdorians, um, many of them that I, of course, am uh, very familiar with and know, and know quite well, decided to, they wanted to honor the pioneers of Valdor. And so they created um, what is called the Point de Nation, Nation's Point. And it is a monument, and leading up to the monument is a, um, a road, if you will, or a path of bricks. And those of us who want to participate each um, sent in the, na- the names of our parents and the year they arrived in Valdor. So that's what started it all. And it was at that point that the three of us started to think about, wouldn't this be the perfect time to also um, have a dedication at uh, our parents' theater? And... Um, I then uh, stayed in contact with the, um, the two owners, of, uh, the current owners of the Capitol Theatre, Michel Vallette and Giselle Blais, who were so, so receptive to the whole idea. You guys are all flying up to, to Valdor from wherever you are. Correct. Yeah, sort, of. sort of, not directly. Doesn't go direct anymore. We you fly have to go into Chupitzville. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have got to. It. Well, actually, we Valdor have- is Yehubitzville. This should be a podcast for my right. friend. <laughs> Ralph I was thinking this would belong to Ralph and Murphy, right? Absolutely. I'm going to tell him about it. But let's let's talk a bit about the, the, your family. All three of you were born in Valdor and your family. Tell me your, your roots. Um, my brother was born well, in I- Valdor, but the two others, uh, the girls, were born in, um, in Toronto. That's when my mother was very, very pregnant. She, uh, she came down and my brother, <laughs> born in the middle of winter uh, in, a, in a hospital in Quebec, and they had to bring the oil in. And that is another story. I want to hear this great story. Stevie, this is my story. So there's a big gap between Stephen and I. There's over nine years. The excitement of my Sadie came up with Rabbi Cass, a renowned moil. They got off and they had to load up with the kosher food. Don't ask. And they we had a little synagogue in Valdor. And so the circumcision was there. And because it was in the dead of winter, we had no choice. There's no no way anything could get through. And the firstborn son, that the son was born and the first nephew, it was a big deal when he was born, Ellen. Another bit of Yiddishkeit to share with you, Ellen. Believe it or not, in that milieu of the middle of nowhere, my parents kept kosher. 
the meat had to be shipped in from Montreal on dry ice. And I'm going to suggest that probably 50% of the orders that came in were late and they all, they all thawed and they all had to be thrown away. And they persevered until they left Valdor. The other thing I remember is uh, we didn't have we didn't have enough freezing space, so we would send the, the meat down to the freezer in the um, in the theater, and in the freezer in the theater were the ice cream bars. And my mother said to the to the fellow, said, you know, did you put them away in a safe place? He said, oh, don't worry, Mrs. Kaplan, I put them right in between the ice cream bars. <laughs> my mother felt very very comforted. With that comment, <laughs> I thought you're not supposed to mix milk and meat. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, don't right. worry. But how did your parents end up in Valdor uh, in the first place? How did your family get there? Who who knows the story of the immigration? I know the story, and I'm sitting holding it. So my grandfather um, from Lithuania, he went to New York, and from New York, I'm going to even read part of it. Um, at the time, the Canadian government was offering free land to anyone interested in settling. Um, in settling, He boarded, the and it was a free train ride. He boarded the train, left the big city of New York, and headed for the great north. Um, the train went, in those days went as far as Swastika. There were no roads at the time between Swastika and Kirkland Lake, only small wagon trails. Um, so Kaplan wait, wait, followed... Wait, Swastika. No. No. no, there was a place called Swastika, and it used to be um, a, a, a train. The trains changed or something. I In can't Ontario remember. Or is this oh my God, it's major. Yes. Oh. Yes. Ellen, that's a story you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Go ahead, Cheryl. Sir. Okay. So um, then he got to Kirkland Lake, and they say he was adventurous and of strong character. When he first set up shop, there was nothing in Kirkland Lake but snow and poor prospectors. But nonetheless, he built his first building on Government Road for his himself and his family. His business began to grow. And one of the prospectors, and this is our famous family story, one of the prospectors was Harry Oaks. And Harry Oaks and my grandfather became very, very good friends. He, uh, My grandfather gave everything to Harry Oaks on credit. And when Harry Oaks hit the mother load, so to speak, he came back to my grandfather and he said, you know what, you were so good to me. You gave me everything on credit. What can I, what can I do for you? And my grandfather said, he's always wanted to have a, um, a moving picture in um, a movie house in Kirkland Lake. And so Harry Oaks financed his, his first um, movie theater, and it was The Strand in Kirkland Lake, and it was an incredible, incredibly beautiful theater. Um, and that's the story. And from there came the other theaters, and my dad was given a theater by, um, by his father, and it ended up to be in Valdor, which my father was happy to have because he felt maybe... The town is getting too crowded with, with my family. I might be better off on my own in Valdor, building my family and building the business. And that's how it happened. Did you guys ever work there as kids? <laughs> yeah, I worked uh, in the candy bar. Uh, it was my favorite place to work, of course. <laughs> and um, 
it was interesting because my dad didn't want me to work too, too hard. So the other person I worked with, I remember every time I worked with her, she got the job of cleaning out the popcorn machine. My father didn't want me to have to do such hard work. But Stevie and Judy also worked there. As I tell it, I learned my entrepreneurial skills at the Capitol Theater. <laughs> I started off as an usher. And then I graduated to a polar bar salesperson who walked the aisles at intermission with this um, big container in front of me and hanging around my neck. And um, they sold for 10 cents a bar and my commission was 20%. I did well. I then graduated all the way up to ticket taker. And at that point, um, I set my, my sights on the Holy Grail manager. But at 16, I just couldn't convince my father to retire. <laughs> and what about you, Judy? Yes, I worked in the candy bar. And I worked a lot at selling tickets. And I remember that there was a big jump in the ticket prices from 45 cents to 55 cents huge jump but i was in that ticket booth for many many years uh, and it was and you got to see everybody because that was the gathering place i have to share one one story about that anatomy of a murder was the first movie that had sort of pornographic aspect to it like a two second clip my dad every night would bring three or four of his cronies just in for that one scene. <laughs> Are you sure you want this on the podcast? <laughs> Was there anti-Semitism? Do you remember? No. What do you I, remember? I experienced, I experienced um, gr growing up, but it was mainly the group that I hung around with, which was, which was wonderful. It was a multicultural group and it was, it was kids being kids, um, but it, was, it wasn't that serious. Ellen, about the theater, the Capitol was the first. Now, you got to remember, this is a town, when we were growing up, of about 15,000 people. The Capitol, as Cheryl mentioned, um, had 662 seats. They built two other theaters called the Strand and Marcel. Uh, the other two downtown were a little smaller, probably in the 400 range. Yes. Well, they're, they're gone now. Right, so you had three. Wow. Uh, and the Marcel is now a giant tiger. Oh, good. So your family literally did some very important landmarks for this, this architectural landmarks for the community. And what you're doing, how does it feel for you to go back and sort of reclaim the Jewish found, founders, pioneers of this town, which is now mostly all French, right? Yes. How important is. is that to you? It's hugely important to me. It, it brings closure to my life. I, for my parents, it was really hard. We had a good life. We were family close. Um, but I know the 50 years took its toll. And for me, this is very, very important to go back. I feel so good about it. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. 
Today's listener shout-out goes to Linda Igra of Toronto. She's a volunteer with Jaius, the Jewish Immigrant Aid Service, which is marking its 100th anniversary. And we'll end the show with a little clip from one of the movies that was on the marquee at the Capitol the year it opened. This is from You Can't Have Everything from 1937 with Gypsy Rose Lee, Louis Prima, and Don Amici. I'm no angel, Judy. I've known Lulu for a long while. She's a swell girl and a lot of fun. I suppose I should be sophisticated like my plays. Take you for what you are. Just a charming fake. 